is for the passionate Seahawks fans. The ones who care about scheme more than hot takes. The, 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 the ones who want X's and O's and not talking heads. From the eye in the sky. This is Seattle Overload. Seattle Overload. With your hosts, Matty F. Brown, Griffin Sturgeon, and Ty Dane Gonzalez. Let's go. Welcome to the Seattle Overload podcast, where it's time for Griff and I to react to Seahawks general manager John Schneider. He's also the president of football operations of the Seattle Seahawks now. We're kind of getting used to that. And what that also means is while Mike McDonald and the coaching staff of the Seattle Seahawks, the new coaching staff, are not in Indianapolis, that is a tongue twister, at the NFL Combine, John Schneider is, and he's the guy who's speaking to the media now. No more head coach speaking to the media at the Combine. So, Griff... Schneider, the main takeaway is what he said about Geno Smith. Let's get the direct quote in place. He was asked by Bob Condota of the Seattle Times on if he considered Geno Smith as starter. He said, yeah, I would think yes, starter until he's not. Uh, um, Then he explained how the coaches aren't down here and kind of went into a really convoluted explanation about how they're learning the landscape um, as a front office and then they'll report back to the coaches and the coaches are reaching out to the free agent guys and, and guys like that um, and etc etc Schneider also went on CBS Sports with Rick Spielman and Josina Anderson and he said nothing on Geno Smith he basically talked about Ron Wolf and, and how Uh, Ron Wolf liked to take quarterbacks and they haven't really done that in Seattle it hasn't been intentional it's just the way it's fallen and then mentioned his love for Drew and a lot of love for Geno Smith and finally he went on Pro Football Talk with Mike Florio and Chris Sims and again probably the least committal on this one he he just um said he's been our starter two years now and then mentioned how the conversion was an automatic triggers deal which Seattle bakes into all of their contracts. Uh, then mentioned how he's surprised that the cap went up so much, which is another topic we should talk about. But but before that, Griff, a lot. I, I feel like it's kind of a... Uh, now, how do I pronounce this word? Rosarch test? Rosarch test? Rosash, I think. Rosash. 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 I feel that's what this is. People are seeing what they they first want to see out of this statement. Mm-hmm. These statements. I initially was like, ah, oh, that's, that's kind of good. And then when you kind of dive into it, you see Schneider's follow-ups. It's fairly kind of, you know, he's kind of just saying what he needs to say, but it's almost the bare minimum. Yeah, when I first saw the quotes, him saying, well, he's a starter until he's not... It seemed yet again like another between him and McDonald, like another non-committal, kind of leaving all possibilities open type of answer. Um, but then there was that that follow-up quote where he was a little more finally definitive. I mean, regardless of of what we thought um, of what he was saying beforehand, we can all like what the actual like strategic value was, like trying to read between the lines. It was all like objectively speaking like ambiguous like he was being ambiguous on purpose but then he finally gave something unambiguous when he said um yeah let me i've got the quote here so uh condota 
uh, tweeted out how the general manager, John Schneider, talked to reporters a while off the podium too, as he does, because during the, the kind of media circus of the combine, you get people asking like, oh, I'm I'm interested in this person from the team I cover, and I would like to ask you about them, and that kind of yeah. reduced the beat writer's opportunities. So Schneider explained to the beat guys, after being asked by them again about the timing of the restructured Gina Smith's contract last week, um, he said other people made a bigger deal out of that than we did in the building. He said similar on Pro Football Talk also. But then he had a big follow-up, which was, he was going to be here. It was a matter of like, when are we going to tell him we're doing this with his roster bonus? So, I mean, right. that is a bit more definitive in, I mean, in it's, a sense. It's, 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 a, it's effectively nixing trade talk, at least, at least with him addressing that. Now, whether or not he's lying or if he's being subversive, trying to drive the price up by showing how much we like he likes him or whatever, that is a totally different conversation. I mean, he could be lying, but th this is him like definitively saying and, and unambiguously saying he's going to be on the roster in 2024. He's effectively saying we're not trading him. At least like that, that's what those words mean. Now, again, he could be lying because maybe he wants to drive his price up. But before we couldn't say that he was being unambiguous. It was very ambiguous. It's just a, it's a change of course. Um, so, I mean, it seemed, and, and maybe like, maybe he was being ambiguous before because maybe he thought this was a given to people. You know, we have no idea what they think the world thinks when they say those things necessarily. Um, I mean, I'm going to assume that like he's very well trained and like comms and stuff and he knows how the media works. But at the same time, it's like, even when he said it wasn't a bigger deal, like with regards to the, the restructure, you could extend that idea to mm. the whole thing of him being like, well, of course, Gino's the starter. Like, why wouldn't he be? Of course, he's going to be on the team. And he's, yeah, I mean, why can't he say that? You know, why can't he say something along the lines of, I'm really looking forward to seeing how Eugenio looks in the 2024 offense? So it's not just this media appearance. You know, it's been, he's been on the radio three times, I think. One time, right. just strangely not asked about him at all. Mike McDonald has been very non-committal, and you know I think what should be said is part of this is yeah, as as kind of Schneider himself alluded to, they're still kind of working things out. They're still figuring things out as a with the new staff and the new people in the building. Mm -hmm. I think there's also at play a contrast between Pete Carroll, who was very optimistic, very supportive of his players, and. Um, just very willing to talk about them, but also is a coach, right? And a, was an experienced coach compared to Schneider, who, uh, yes, Griff, I'm sure he is media trained and he's done this a lot of times, but his style of communication is uh, very different to Carol. Right. Um, he, he's up, he's up front, but in these kinds of settings, he kind of just talks. Um, and yeah. then obviously McDonald is a, a different guide to Pete Carroll and is again kind of direct and then keeps his cards kind of close to his chest and I think we're sort of transitioning into that period too so I think there's a contrast thing at play true. now should we even be reading into combine comments at all given that remember back in 2022 uh, Pete Carroll goes on the podium March 2nd and goes the Seahawks have no intention of trading Russell Wilson. That's the headline everywhere. Then 19 days later, or maybe 18 days later, they trade him to the Denver Broncos. 
you know, there hasn't actually been, other than that weird Schefter wording, there hasn't been much smoke around uh, Gino getting traded. The fact that they have to incur, you know, $27 million, isn't it, in dead cap money, uh, it just doesn't, again, as we've said, the, the, the juice isn't worth the squeeze. You, you're not getting the right, right. return for, for the, you know, I just don't see it being a good deal, it, along with how we feel about Gino Smith as a top 10 uh, QB uh, behind that type of offensive line. It just doesn't feel worth doing. Right. But, yeah, I... I, I Having kind of rewatched the Schneider stuff, dived into it, he said as much as he needed to say. And I think, given we weren't able to look at that podium aside, where he talks to the beat reporters, but, you know, he's probably still saying as much as he needs to say. Like, he's just elaborating yeah. slightly further on the same thing. And ultimately, it could well be... I mean, don't get, Gino Smith isn't uh, a quarterback with the established reputation of, you know, some of the most highly paid quarterbacks in the league. So then to then speak like he is that type of guy would be slightly strange. Okay. That's, that's another aspect to this. Um, but it could well be that the Seahawks front office moving forward and, and the Seahawks communication with the media is a bit more cards to the chest. Not that Pete Carroll wasn't that, but Pete Carroll had his enthusiasm and, um, passion and love for people. Not that Schneider doesn't, he just shows it in a very different way. And I think he is probably in this new period of a, having a head coach who seems a bit more level, I guess. Level mm -hmm. is, a, is a way of phrasing it. It suits him also to, he's probably, he's probably like, yes, we can be a bit more guarded and keep our options open when we make public comments about things. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I agree. Cool. Boom. So that's the, that's the quarterback analysis stuff. So actually we didn't really learn anything at all, although it was nice to have that aside reported by Condota. Now other things which stood out for me, uh, he told pro football talk that Devin Witherspoon was down to 178 pounds by the end of the season and said, we got to put some body on armor on him. That is interesting yeah. given Spoon missed the first four games of the season, albeit with a soft tissue hamstring uh, challenge. But it kind of brings into the discussion of McDonald needs a really impactful nickel. Spoon can do that. I was surprised how well he was able to kind of work inside as the nickel. But, you know, Jamal Adams is, in theory, the kind of big nickel. If you need to get a bit heavier there, have more of a safety body type. Look at what they did with Carl Hamilton, right. et cetera, et cetera. But if Spoon's yeah. going to be asked to do that more and Adams isn't there, maybe you need to get another nickel because even if Spoon was able to hold up, 178 pounds is light and you don't want to rob him of his quickness. Schneider saying we got to put some body armor on him. Well, you know, or just let him be a corner who plays some right. nickel. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, the, the nickel position is obviously like a very unique position for McDonald's defense, or at least we assume it is because that was the role it gave Kyle Hamilton. So, um, and maybe that's him just responding to his roster and like adjusting the scheme accordingly. So maybe we're making too big of a deal out of that. Mm. 
with the fact that Witherspoon was such an effective nickel, we kind of just assume he will be the guy. But yeah, you have to worry about um, long-term, um, you know, sustainability, durability there. And the weight's kind of a concern, but you still want him to be able to fly around and play corner because in base, he'll be playing perimeter corner, right? Um, so the, the nickel position is something in general. Where it's going to be like a, a big thing that we're going to have to look for this offseason, the draft and preseason and everything. Um, yeah, because we, we really have no idea. Well, we have an idea, but we have no confirmation of, of how exactly nickel will be handled. That Schneider was commenting on his weight definitely makes you think that they probably are going to continue to keep him at nickel. Do you care if your perimeter corner is a, a buck 80, you know, playing perimeter corner? I mean, that's that's his style. You know, you're not you don't need him to be 190 out there if he's playing full time on the outside, you know. But if he's in at nickel, I mean, he's effectively a run fitter, um, just like Kyle Hamilton found himself in the B gap at times um in nickel like not like standard base where he's a strong safety so mm. uh yeah we'll, we'll we'll see we'll see there. there there might be something more to that comment being tipped than than we might think but yeah we'll see we'll see what happens there and then i mean griff did anything stand out to you i have like two more things um you know i don't think so in, in general it is kind of yeah it is kind of Hard, not hard to get used to it's an adjustment period of john being the star now of <laughs> him being the guy getting all the interviews hey i like he, john schneider but he's he's more like a supporting character i would suggest yeah. in terms of a, a media thing and i'm not he, the best he's, uh, he's a, star he's a character, character actor. yeah he's a character actor pete is a lead i don't know if john's a leading man no yeah jo um, john's a guy next door who you know <laughs> i don't know where yeah. i'm going with that yeah hey, i heard <laughs> You guys having a party over here? Can I? Yeah, join? he's the neighbor who yeah joins the party and yeah, yeah. he does something uh, funky in one episode and then yeah yeah great. Anyway, yeah, that is odd. So the cap. So the NFL announced February twenty third. Wow, we haven't done a podcast since then, or maybe we have, but we didn't cover it. But that was Tuesday last tuesday we're recording this wednesday february 20 oh no tuesday february 27th is technically the 28th of me um that the nfl salary cap has taken a historic leap for the 2024 season uh this says they announced on friday i didn't think it was that long ago anyway the cap's gone up to 255.4 million dollars per club that's a 30 plus million rise. Schneider said that he was expecting it from his inside guy, which I think may have been kind of a half joke, a bit of banter, that the cap would have been $249 million. Some guys had said it was around, they projected it as about $242 million. I know, I think over that's what um, over the cap may have projected it as. So, I mean, it goes up for everyone, so I don't know how much of an impact that has necessarily. But it's nice when they need to go and extend a Leonard Williams and in one off season suddenly contract values aren't gonna soar through the roof, uh, presumably, mm -hmm. right? Griff. Right. Yes. Do you have any thoughts on the cap going up? No, other than it's you know, the more the merrier. <laughs> 
yeah, get those get those players paid, and yeah, good good for them. <laughs> yeah. Um, on, on the note of free agents, though, he he did have a comment about when that will start really start to pick up. Yes. He said their meetings with their own free agents will begin in earnest next week, and much more clarity will come then. Per Bob Condota. Um, and then there was also a quote. I don't think it. I think it was only published. I don't think it was recorded. Of him saying how Brooks and Williams are priorities still. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't seen that one. I mean, it makes yeah. sense. They're like the two good defensive players, right? Who are free agents, but that's interesting. Right. And then like. He'll he may publicly say the the priorities, but in reality, it's obvious to us. So it's obvious to the league. So it, you know, he loses yeah. nothing by saying that. But it's 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 still nice to hear him say their names. You're reassured. Yeah. You're reassured that robots will 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 continue. Mm-hmm. Um. Mm-hmm. And then finally, I guess there's the there's the talk about not drafting quarterbacks he kind of mentioned all that again uh he described it as a cool class um he said it's a good group um every year they tried to acquire a quarterback whether that's the draft free agency whatever it looks like but then to pro football talk he praised G- uh, drew lock mentioned how in Dallas, apparently, he didn't have his legs back from the COVID, which kept him out of that second game, which was supposed to be his audition to be the starter. So, yeah, spoke some positive things about Drew Locke. Said that Drew had a nice year for us this past season. And then he described his red flags for quarterbacks, which I guess is interesting when we, if we, you know, start looking at these guys in that he mentioned interceptions, low ball carriers, the ball coming out, how they handle themselves in the pocket, people that aren't confident in their abilities, the way they handle themselves through a football game, seeing guys play live, seeing how they interact with their teammates, how they respond to the really tough things that they've just gone through, which um, yeah. that, made me think, that made me think he hates Caleb Williams, but um, <laughs> that's such an overreaction. Um, it is all about the ball. Yep, definitely. Um, it's- it's it's also a, a good way to not answer that question because who likes turnovers? Nobody likes turnovers. I love that. Um, In the past, he's mentioned as positives accuracy and poise and release. But yeah. then again, who doesn't like accuracy, release, and poise, right? Right. But him, him being a GM, those are like traits, traits first. Um so it's 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 kind of not surprising his mind goes there now is he when he says poise you could unpack that and that could mean like poise is a is almost a is something that follows from reading defense as well it's being able to set the protection being able or, to read the defense full snap even before that poise comes from preparation right so right. it comes from your intangibles and your character and right yeah but which is you, why Drafting quarterbacks is difficult. <laughs> right. Yeah. But then we, we have to remember, like, I mean, Schneider played football. He was, a, I think, a college running back and receiver um, for, like, a D3 school. So, like, he knows ball in that sense. But we have to remember, like, you know, one of the best scouts of all time. Um, oh, my gosh. What's his name? Scott McLuhan, who worked with Schneider in Seattle. Yeah. He's drafted a lot of all pro players. He yeah. himself has said, like, on record – 
He's like, yeah, I don't really know how to diagram plays that well. I don't really know scheme too much, but I, I trust my eye with 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 quarterbacks and you know, looking at the traits and the skills and everything. A lot of the people on the scouts side really, unless they have like coaching background, because a lot of them do, right? Or player background. And again, a lot of them do, but a lot of them don't really care to pick out the scheme too much. Um, and and like you can't you can't actually evaluate a quarterback's ability to read defenses if you don't know what the offensive play call is and the defensive play call. Like he was even saying, like when he would scout with um with uh Mike McCarthy in um, San Francisco, hmm. he was saying like he would need to talk with Mike to actually know like what the read was or to like know what the play call was and like stuff like that. And it's like surprising is, to you. That's crazy like, to how me. Do you, how do you not have that knowledge? But he was saying, he's like, well, I didn't really need it. It's like, okay, I mean, you clearly can scout just fine. Yeah, um, which shows how much we, when, we, when we're doing it, because we have that kind of um, coaching mindset, you know, we have an affinity for the scheme and the techniques, how we sometimes overthink stuff like that. Right. Totally. Because and you, that's it, it our become, background. become paralysis by, by analysis. Yep. Right? Um, but so, but on that point, like, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Schneider is like traits pilled. He, he is of the same mind and he just wants to look at like, do they have a big arm? Can they make throws? Can they stick in the pocket? Whereas the quarterback coach might be thinking like, well, he doesn't know what cover two is. Like, how, what am I? I have to teach this guy. I have to hold his hand, yeah. you know. So, uh, but then again, another quarterback coach might be great. I can coach. I can teach him how that's easy. You know, it, it's all case by case. Um, but with that in mind, how does he view the second crop of quarterbacks? Would not be surprised if Schneider is the rattler guy in the third or fourth round. Um, well, except you know, he, there's some there's some. Uh... Maybe, but there's some uh, character stuff with him that I know right. they want to check out. And then when you think about him saying about how they interact with their teammates, how they respond to really tough things they've just come through, and then on saying a bit later on how uh, to CBS Sports get to know the people, um, how they interact with their teammates when they come off the field, how they interact with the quarterback or the head coach. Right. That sure. um, maybe not, but yeah. Yeah, I traitsy wise, yeah, maybe. Right. And then maybe, you know, I don't know, maybe one of the someone on the offensive coaching staff might prefer like McCarthy in the second if he falls. And Schneider might be like, I don't really know if I I don't think I see enough there to take that chance, you know. Might feel like a reach to him. Um anyway. Oh that would uh that would be interesting. Um yeah, and also mentioned basically having a short-term memory for quarterbacks. What uh, I would love to know, though, sorry to cut no, you off, but what I, would love, what I would love to know is what Schneider thinks between Drake May and Caleb Williams, but it's... They don't but you, know, you know where to go in the Seattle-Washington area. What do you mean? Well, just go to Dino's, just hit him up. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. Like, it's a bit easier for you. yeah. Hang around the bar. I I I bet you I bet you if you like ran into him, you could actually get an answer out of him off the record if he was actually willing to talk. Yeah, because he knows they're not going to be able to draft him. He knows he he knows they won't be able to draft him, so there's probably no harm in him actually spilling what he thinks one Uh or the other. Yeah, and what what point in the evening is this? After you know, the fourth round. 
Right. Um, <laughs> how many? If you've had seven rounds of drinks, that is an undrafted free agent. There you go. All right. Okay. Finally, I really wanted someone to ask him essentially a question along the lines of how well positioned is the defense for Mike McDonald as a head coach, given there is, or, you know, because it seems like there's some schematic carryover, you know, you ran a lot of nickel last year, a lot of nickel four down fronts, a lot of, you know, over fronts accenting the nickel. That's what McDonald does. So how well situated, but that's kind of to our point, Griff, about, uh, GM brain versus coach brain. But what he did say, while he wasn't asked a specific question like that, he did say how uh, there's organizational similarities between Baltimore and Seattle, something he spoke about in his uh, press conference when McCarthy, McCarthy, McDonald was announced as head coach. And he said how it's going to be a transition. They're going to ask for a lot of grace and a lot of patience from the players. But he said the play like a Raven thing is there's a lot of the same philosophical similarities um, with always compete. And in the interview process, he kind of got that from, from uh, McDonald too. And he felt that they were kind of similar um, in their personalities. So cool. And finally he was asked by Josina Anderson about the defense. And I wish he'd been a bit more, um, yeah, his answer kind of start, uh, I didn't, it just, he would have given a bit more, but he said they want guys who can jump off the ball, team speed, um, and then mentioned how playing in Seattle helps basically. And there's a certain, uh, camaraderie that comes from playing in front of that fan base. So they're looking for a lot of speed and a lot of intensity on defense. So I guess they won't draft four, seven linebackers, or maybe they will, because there's different ways of measuring speed. The 40 doesn't even matter. There's GPS tracking data now, and there's more important testing. Right, but... right. The actual game speed. Yeah. So it's funny, because the combines become so televised, and I imagine it'd be interesting to see their viewing figures for the 40 compared to... Um, everything else but yeah uh blue and green zone saying caught your live can't hear nothing though uh -oh. i hope that's <laughs> i think chat would have told us if they couldn't hear us blue green that might be on your end i hope you can uh get that fixed jen we covered what mike mcdonald's scheme is with the three four thing it's exactly the same as Seattle did it last year in that it's a base 3-4 on base personnel downs, which will not be their most used personnel because the league is 11 personnel and heavy. They will be on versus 12 personnel, heavier personnel than that, like 21 personnel, um, where it's like the 49ers, right? They will be a 3-4 under, just like Seattle was last year. And they did a bit of over, but they're mainly 3-4 yeah. under in the regular season. Then... When it comes to the the sub package stuff, the light personnel, they will be a four down nickel, probably mainly over front team. So it's Which, interesting him his answer to Aaron Levine was 
at first I was like, oh, he's going to talk bull here. And then he kind of gave him a, a basic kind of answer. Griff, go ahead. No, I agree. And and to your, like the, the nickel over thing, like it's going to be very similar to the base core structure of what the Seahawks did last year with the nickel and the fit and like the weak safety out of it unless an extra blocker forms a gap and they need another fitter. But it's the, 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 the core structure is actually kind of similar. It's, it's all the same. The, it's, it's the same thing. It's, it's funny how, yeah, I feel like Seattle, Seattle um, was going for that. And like revisiting Carol's comments about being able to change their, um, he said, right. He said, let me, this is, this got me upset. This got me really upset. Um, <laughs> great. If I'm upset. All right, Maddie's mad. No, mad, Maddie. I'm sad. I'm sad. You, you should be showing care for me. Maddie's sad. Sad, Maddie. It's okay, Maddie. It's okay. Sorry, <laughs> champ. Um, he he went on uh he went on the radio before the season. I think it was with Chuck and Buck. You know those guys, <laughs> Chuck and Buck. Um, yeah. He said. Because he was asked about like the run defense being good in the preseason, and he said like the key for them was um, being able to move up their fronts. And then he said to me how in October sixteenth, which was week nine, where they had one week of good run defense, oh one week of bad run defense, but then the first like week eight. Week eight, they were the number one run defense in the league, and then they obviously collapsed. But he said to me how we slant and jump from those looks too. Yeah. And essentially, the basic premise was that they have to be able to switch up their front looks. And while they'll look, stay in one front, they have to be able to change their look pro-snap and pre-snap and, and be versatile. And yet... <laughs> They uh, they didn't have enough answers to, to switch up their front, and um, it stunk. So yeah. <laughs> whereas the, what bringing that all the way back to McDonald in twenty twenty four, in theory, McDonald has enough of the moving the front around to to hide weak spots. Although if you look at his run defense, maybe not. Uh, chat. I see a lot of questions here about three four four three. And stuff like that. Um, we literally did a film review of McDonald's scheme versus the 49ers. And we explained the, the basic front in there. But the way that they do the 3-4 under is just how Seattle did their personnel. But the Leo is called the Rush. The Sam is called the Sam. The 3-Tech goes with the Rush. Like the 3-Tech went with the Leo. And... The big end or the three four end type goes with the um, Sam. Yeah, and and like they're if you're three hundred pounds and you're good, then you're a scheme fit. If you're two eighty, if you're two seventy five, you can play the big end role, whether that's an actual five technique or a four. You know, if if you're two sixty but play above your weight, you know you can play one of the edges. When you go into four down territory or two, four, four, two, same thing. 
I mean, they had Clowney and Kyle Van Noy out there and, and then would mix in, what was it, Carl Urban? Like Van Noy's 255, Clowney's 260 maybe. And then Carl Urban is like 280, but, you know, like you're just I can't take me. I can't take Carl Urban's name seriously. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Carl Urban is the name of an actor. Yeah, he's in know. The Boys. Who who's there? Who who's there? Uh... No, he's called he's called Urban. <laughs> oh, is it is it is that the same? Is that the? I don't think he's called Carl though. Brent Urban, Brent Urban. Some oh, other, even better. It's other... like Carl's long lost cousin. Yeah, he's Canadian. But the uh, yeah. what? <laughs> the, the, the point the point though is that you know it's primarily one gap with you know with the ability to have one or two guys two gapping when needed. It's not a big deal. You just need to play above your weight and be a good football player is really what it comes down to. Now they might have that personal helps. preferences with like length, length specifications. You know, we don't want a guy under, under this, you know, arm length or whatever stuff like that, but it's going to be like, can they play football? Do they play technique? You know, that that's what it's going to come down to. But as far as like archetypes go, like Michael Pierce is very, Brandon Mebane, you know, they're, they're, Matabuike is very, you know, I mean, Leonard Williams is totally play in the role of what Matabuike did. Um, you know, Clowney, like Nwosu is, is our Clowney, you know, um, Derek Hall can be whatever he grows into. Boye Mafe is Kyle Van Noy. Like there, there's, there are analogs. The only problem is that, that kind of big end role where Brent, Brent Urban is, Six foot seven, three hundred nine pounds, thirty two years old, and you'd say, I mean, Draymond Jones, as chat reminded me last time, Draymond Jones, he um, he kind of played a bit of five tech for Seattle down the stretch, yeah. and was pretty good at it. But he's got an issue when he's comboed. He's just not. I mean, he's two hundred eighty one pounds according to his Wikipedia. He's probably slightly heavier now, but he's not that really big end type like uh i mean no one's red bryant but he's not a brent urban either so they might need that maybe that's mike morris but then as we've mentioned in the past mike morris uh, under mcdonald when he was playing uh in the the michigan defense in his last season actually played a two-point outside linebacker edge so one of the like the sam or the rush rather than the uh um big end type we're talking about this five tech type yeah. So we'll we'll have to see how much he weighs. I, I think he was like two hundred ninety five at the combine, um, or, or or he's listed two hundred ninety five on the roster. Sorry, at the combine he was two seven five, and, and tested bad. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting if if he's because he obviously was working as the five tech before he got uh, like injury redshirted. Will he then be a five tech still in in the system? So, yeah, but they, yeah. they need a big edge, basically. And if you look at how uh, Steve Spagnolo was able to have success, it was that big edge, um, the, the two big edges. Um, Carl Loftus is like a 4-3 end to the three-tech side and playing like a 6-2 rather than... And that's something I've never seen McDonald do, uses like a 6-2 with that type of personnel on the field. So... Right. Um. Yeah, it's just it's just not a big deal. It just doesn't matter that much. Just good yeah. good football players. Yeah. 
Like, uh, like you, you don't you don't need to say no to a player because they're not a fit. It's like if you like them, they probably work. Right, and that's where it comes back to traits. And why would you like them? Well, uh, they're they're fast. They're they're speedy. They have get off. Um, they have intensity, which is what Schneider mentioned. Which is why it's always helpful to have traits. Um, but it, essentially, it's a hybrid scheme. There you go. Uh, Tyler asking, can you talk about what the difference between under front and over front is? I mean, the three text to the away from a tight end in an under and the three text to the tight end in an over, but we've been through those fronts in our scheme episodes. I know they're long, but um, to really like uh, get down all that stuff, you just have to, wa- you just have to watch um, someone explain it. We're not the best people for doing that, but we have done videos on that. But it's, yeah, the internet. And, and all that good stuff. Um, Brandon, that's the other discussion. Yeah, they might need a bigger nose. They might need a bigger nose. Although it depends if McDonald wants a kind of guy who is just a lump, like, uh, forget, blanking on his name now. The Ravens Michael dude. Pierce. Thank you. Michael Pierce. Yep. Um, I mean, he yeah, played a I bit more of a two eye and he played a bit more of a zero tech, but then that's kind of, a chicken or the egg thing because that's what Pierce right. is good at. Um, right, it's like he inherited Michael Pierce. It's like Pierce is right there. Like if he, if if Brandon Meebane just happened to be on the roster, he's probably going to be like, "Well, I'll use you in some two eye because I like the two eye." Even though Meebane never played much two eye in Seattle, he played a different kind of heavy one technique type thing mm. with the tilt nose. But he probably sees Jaron Reed and looks at Jaron Reed's pass route or just general production last year. I don't think he'd stray too much. I mean, Reed can play two eye, but I don't think he'd stray too much from what he did with Reed. But yeah, they they might they might want they might want a two eye on the roster. Maybe he thinks Cam Robinson could be that. Um, I say, is that the no, not Cam Robinson? Totally blanking. Who's the rookie they drafted to play tackle last year? Wait, Seattle. Yeah. To play offensive tackle or defensive tackle? No, defensive tackle. Cam Young. Cam Young. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Uh, thank you, Sukman. Maybe he thinks No, 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 no. No, Sukman, you were late. I beat you. <laughs> Maybe he thinks he can play 2 Um, Although I don't think he actually can play 2 eye. that said. Anyway, whatever. Great. Yeah. Um, I saw a question that I thought was good. Oh, yeah, Misfit saying you're curious about the weight threshold for defensive lines that aren't nose, i.e. edge. I mean, the the whole of the game keeps getting a bit lighter, so it gets a bit funkier. But basically, uh, a guy who's like a 5-tech or a 3-tech... No. Bas- basically, a, a guy who's like a 5-tech, so a guy who can play inside but also a bit outside, that is anywhere from 270 to 290 pounds. 275 to 290. Griff, please step in if you think I'm off here. Then a three tech is probably in the NFL now 280 to 300 plus. But why it matters more, the kind of size, is that three tech type can be one on one a bit in like a five front in your base stuff. But then when you get into nickel, they're suddenly going to get some nasty combos on them and they really have to be not getting reach blocked on the outside shoulder of the guard. So you need a bit more mass there. 
Uh, they need to be basically able to be inside all the time if required. Um, then your edge types are like your pure edge, your outside backers, they're 260, 250 pounds. Um, and they need to be able to drop and rush. But Misfit, maybe maybe that's an article I should write. Um, but look, we did we did cover the the positions, yeah. Um, Griff. Griff. Yeah. So the NFL Combine is happening. We we got kind of as ever. We have a topic, and then we get sidetracked by run defense topics, and it's it's very exciting. Um, but Cameron centers the discussion nicely with an excellent question. Good to see you, Cameron. How much are the Seahawks going to free up Bobby Wagner? And that may be in jest. But Seattle has a needed inside backer. And that's a big position for this combine, right? They, yeah. they need to find, after neglecting the position, you could say, they need... And looking at how Rokon Smith, and you, you tweeted out the splits, how he transformed that Baltimore defense, they need to find a guy. So when it comes to the combine stuff, someone I'm going to be paying a lot of attention to is Michigan's um, Junior Colson. Now, I watched the national championship game and live, live and was like, who is that absolute giant in the middle of the defense making all the tackles wearing number 25? And he's listed 6'3", 247 pounds, which is crazy. Um, but Griff, you've watched more of the linebackers. With Colson, I would say he, I'd exp- he'd probably run closer to 4'7", than he will 4'4". Four, four. So 4'6", yeah. would probably be a good time. He's not massively fast. And I don't know if Seattle takes that that high. And I'm seeing that people are calling him linebacker 1". So then, is it too rich, or do they just need a good linebacker? Uh, but yeah, what do you think of him, Griff? Yeah, I watched him. I watched the Michigan defense against the Huskies and a, a couple other games for the Michigan defense. Um, the only thing that I haven't seen him do yet, as in, I haven't seen him tr- like it be required of him. An example of, of it is him like carrying a seam route, like piping hot down the seam or something like that. Um, just because I don't think, I mean, Michigan does ask their linebackers to carry or like their defense would, but they haven't seen the formations or the routes where it would happen. Um, but that said, Michigan does do a lot of kind of normal NFL esque defense type stuff. Grant, I mean, Mike McDonald came from there, right? They run a similar defense. So, like the, the zone drops are something you'd see in the NFL they fit the run is very NFL-esque. Um, it's not like kind of a, not gimmicky, but like a college defense that's hard to translate the players to the NFL when it comes to basically anything other than like stuff that is universal to football. So like engaging a block at the line of scrimmage, doesn't matter what scheme you're running. Um, are they one gapping or two gapping? It's going to be, you know, it translates to the NFL, right? Corner play is corner play, except for like the pure off teams, for example. Um, but with linebackers, it can be in safeties. It can be really difficult to try to um, scout them because sometimes the only thing you can really look for are traits, because the assignments and like with their keys and where they put their eyes is so different what they do in college and the NFL. Michigan, it's fairly easy to evaluate them, but there's still some questions there. 
Um, by questions, I mean like, I don't mean doubts. I mean like you you can't, you don't know if they can do it because they haven't been asked to do it, right? Um, but uh, like I think Colson, I would characterize him as, I think he's the best linebacker prospect who has a blend of traits and tape that you can actually evaluate. Um, he confirms the most things. So I think he is the best linebacker prospect overall. Um, he can hit, he's not afraid of contact. I mean, climbing guards and stuff, he can handle really well as 247 pounds go, goes. Um, I think he runs well. I don't know if in a straight line, like you said, he's super fast, but like the change of direction is there. Um, and then in coverage, I mean, his zone drops, I mean, he's pretty good at it. Like he has a good sense of, of where the routes are, what the route pattern is, how much depth to get, how much width to get, how to, how to tailor his zone drop as the play progresses. Um, and then occasionally he'll do something that's just a little confusing. Like he's just not super consistent, but from what I gather from Michigan people that are really intelligent and, and really clued into what they're doing, he has gotten better year to year and he also got better throughout the year. Um, now that said his partner in crime, uh, Michael Barrett, I think uh -huh. Michael Barrett, what's that? Oh, uh-huh. Oh, yeah. I think that he is the better college linebacker. He's the better linebacker right now. It doesn't mean he's the better prospect. He just doesn't have the doesn't have the size profile. But I mean he he's really physical. Um he's about six foot two thirty. He's really physical. I think he moves well. Like he has movement skills. Um, good change of direction, can get low, um, can shrink and expand and stuff. I just, again, I, he might also run a four, six, um, but, but, but he moves in the box really well. And he's, he's even more consistent in coverage. Like he knows where he's always looking to like, Hey, what's the next thing when his zone drop? Like he's never a sitting duck. Like he's trying to preempt everything. Um, kind of like, like late, late career KJ, right. Where his eyes are always on to the mm. next thing. Um, and he's more of like a will type, right? And and you might think, yeah, uh, a, a, you might think like a, a smaller type of backer who can't run as fast isn't worth something. But actually, it you it you know there's there's advantages to having a quicker mic and a slower will, as Seattle showed when they had KJ Wright as the as the four six speed, and um, they had um. What okay. are you doing? I accidentally clicked that. Nice. And they had Bobby Wagner as the 4-4 the four, four speed um, guy as the mic. Um, right. It'd be interesting to hear McDonald kind of speak on that if he ever were to, but... And, I mean, Rokon can fly and so can Pat, uh, Patrick Queen. I, I mean, if they re-sign Brooks, which is a big deal, then you just need one guy who can do a bit of flying. Right. And but, the way how I view those two guys is like Colson. Colson could have been a first rounder, like a like a guy you take in the twenties, if he, like he has the traits of a guy that could have gone in the first round. I just don't think his tape has caught up yet to that. Mm -hmm. So he's probably a second rounder. And then uh, Barrett is like, he is he has the athletic profile of like every linebacker that isn't considered one of those crazy athletic projects who goes in like day three, who's like, Oh, he's really fit, really athletic, but he's like too much of a project. He has the athletic profile of all those guys that go from like round three, round four to like undrafted free agent. But some of those guys pan out and some of them don't. Those athletes do. The ones that do are just good at football. 
right? So he might be a six and undersized guy who runs a four, six, who's just good at football. Like Dre Greenlaw is an example of that, right? Dre Greenlaw to me is not Jordan Brooks is not that upper shelf of linebackers. He's that next tier of guys, like kind of like linebacker, like 10 to 15 range Mm -hmm. is how I view Greenlaw. Um, Although I think he kind of has a hype right now, a hype train that I think is inflating how good he actually is. I think Greenlaw is probably in that like 10 to 20 range of linebacker, but he's working with the same tools Barrett is. I view view Barrett as a guy who is is as athletic as a lot of guys that will go undrafted, but has the tape of a third or fourth rounder. Um, And so like, if you look at the other linebackers in the class who aren't as exciting, like take Ed or who are more exciting traits wise, like Edron Cooper, Edron Cooper is a name. He has profile. He'll probably go right. He'll probably go second or third round. Um, But I would rather have Barrett in the fourth than Cooper in the second or third, for example, um, one more so like for very specific, like Seahawk reasons. Like, I don't think he fits the scheme that well. Um, but of the high profile guys, I'm really only intrigued by Colson to take early. Um, and okay. I would, and I would also play Colson at will, but again, we have to watch more and Maddie, I want to know what you think of both of them as you watch them. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to dive into that after that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I got so upset watching the linebackers at the senior bowl. They're just, uh. Ah, oh, yeah. I don't understand how uh, college football's gone that bad at linebacker, but <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about it before we came on air. It's interesting because the kind of uh, two forty plus dude who can run a four four is even rarer than it once was before. It just doesn't really exist, and as a linebacker, at least, and. I guess these guys get moved to edge, but we also saying how yeah. college football there's so much multiplicity or, or a need for multiplicity among defenses where they shift in and out. But multiplicity also being there's early down package guys, and then personnel wise they bring in more like a safety type who can do a bit more coverage stuff. And these linebackers end up almost becoming bit part role players, and then they don't learn all the skills that when they're in the NFL, if they want to stay on the field, then they need to learn all these things. And it's just so rare. And I guess while the NFL is trying to go that way, you see how hard it is when your linebacker, your, uh, you know, your early down guy who you think you've got a package for, for his skill set, when he gets exposed in a bad matchup, it's, it's rough. Um, and ultimately uh, having personnel package multiplicity is great, but, um, it's also it's a double-edged sword because uh, you can have an inferior package and then you will get found out. So, right. yeah. You don't want to get found out for your in- inferior package. Um, no, not me. No, not I. So, but uh, yeah, like all the all the 240 guys that were running like sub 4-5, they're just not having them bulk up in the weight room now. They, they they don't need them at 240 in college. Right. So they're they're 225 now. They're 230. The guys that are the 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 six two monsters, the six two, six three, two fifty monsters, like you said, are edge rushers now. Um like like even even um like Edrin Cooper will, will will be on the edge some as an outside linebacker. And then and then definitely like Peyton Wilson. 
because they want to be able to stem in and out, in and out of different different fronts where like we want it with the same personnel we want to be able to play bare or tight and we want to be able to walk a guy out and play an even front so that means one guy there's gonna to have to be a guy on the field who can play outside linebacker and then play inside linebacker in the next the next snap off ball and on ball um and it's like but if you if you want to be able if you want to be big enough long enough to play on the edge you got to be six three with long arms but if you want to be fast enough to move on the second level, you can't be 250, you know? So that's why Peyton, Peyton Wilson is this weird tweener weight. And like, he's not physical enough, even if you put on weight to, I think, to play inside, he's probably going to get the Isaiah Simmons treatment, but not as a flood. Don't, don't, and I don't want to talk just about him. not going to have a career um, unless he just tries to be an edge or I don't know. I don't know. Um, he's almost, uh, his zone drops are kind of okay. I'll say that, but like nothing. Well, what's the senior bowl? Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. This, this, the senior bowl is despicable from everyone. Well, <laughs> and, and then Edrin Cooper is annoying because like it will text and defense is annoying. Occasionally they play a lot of cover one and he'll just be one-on-one with the tight end. And okay. when he just attaches to the hip and goes upfield with him. Like, okay, That's a skill. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I won't say it's like a, a really good tight end, but like he can do it. But then, right, right, okay. But like you, you know, play other than that, they're like they're just they're blitzing him or or like his 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 he's playing a flat, you know, because it's some weird coverage. Like he's never just like dropping to a hook, a middle hook, a strong hook, a weak hook. You don't see how he handles play action. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just not enough of it. Um, so it's uh, it's just a weird, weird place to be in right now with linebackers. So Noigash mentions uh, Cedric Gray from UNC. Noigash was yeah. he at the Senior Bowl? Uh, I'm there not was sure. there was one. Uh, let me let me check. There was I think there was one guy from UNC and uh Yeah, it didn't um it didn't look too good. I think it was him. Uh the guy the guy who impressed me the most at the senior bowl probably runs a four nine and he was listed as an edge. Um <laughs> so <laughs> Yikes. And they played him at off ball. So anyway, yeah, wasn't good. So it's not a good need to have, and maybe they they have to get more creative. All yeah. right. So the other like combine news, as you know, is a kind of forty i dash thing, is the wide receivers. So not a big need for Seattle, but. Ian Rappaport noted that both Ohio State receiver Marvin Harrison Jr. and LSU wideout Malik Neighbors will not run or test. Whereas Rome um, Drift, do you say Odunze? Odunes? I think I say Odunze. Yeah. I might be wrong though. Huh. Odunze. He will test. So that's interesting. 
I, I that's what I'm kind of even though it's not a need for Seattle, I'm really looking forward to that because he was so fun to watch in college. Absolutely dominant. Yeah. And yeah, he's awesome. If he runs fast, then and with his contested catchability, catching radius and even with the forty not mattering, but if he runs fast, that's very exciting. And that's what I that's what I like watching the draft for. There you go. So in terms of the the combine schedule, Griff, and our schedule, chat, what would you like us to do? Because in terms of the player profiles, I think that it's all going to be fairly similar for Seattle. I think they'll have their, their preferences. It'll be interesting to see if they ever get a bit short-armed because they really were stringent in the trenches on short arms versus long. They're, they're pretty stringent on that, uh, especially on the defensive side. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how much they prioritize, like, you know, they're mentioning speed, how much they really do kind of lean into that idea. Maybe they get back to that. Um, but yeah, the right now, people are all just chatting. But uh, Thursday, there's the D-line linebacker drills. Friday, defensive backs and tight end drills. Saturday, quarterback, running back and wide receiver drill, drills. And then Sunday, O-line drills. What should we do? Because we could do we could do a senior bowl tape review. We could do combine like main takeaways. Um, yeah. We could watch more of the combine players. Chat, let us know what you would like as well. Chat, would you like us to just do like like a where we just excuse me do like a, an episode per player? where we just spend like an hour looking at one player and try to do maybe knock out like an entire position group in two weeks, like watch like four or five guys right. each position. Right. Like, cause maybe, we could do maybe, like, maybe start with the, the, the defensive tackles. Then the yeah. Edges. Like we could do Dijon Newton. Um... Like, well, like we could, we could do two a week where we're like, let's do Newton. And then let's do, um, Murphy, and then the next week do like Michael Hall and Jenkins, and then probably call it for defensive tackles. Maybe we could do like. Have you seen this Clemson guy, Griff? I watched him last year, Tyler Davis. No, Ruke or Horror or Horror or Horror. I'm not Ruke familiar. Ruke or Horror. I'll work on that. A horror, a horror, a horror, horror. Yeah. When I say it, it sounds like a Harry Potter spell. Um, and then edges, it could be like Dallas Turner, late two, one week, and then next week it's Chop Robinson, Braylon Trice. Um, and then move on to linebackers. You know, something. it's so sad that you've become Ben through contact build. Why is that? It's just sad. Because none of these guys have it. I mean, Lay 2 has it. I'm not sure he's actually that fast. Like that and explosive. isn't he old and injured? Yeah. Great. Great. Love the draft. 
Anon, yeah, we got to look at safeties too. So we should probably do. Dang, we won't even get to guard, will we? Will we have time? No, we got two weeks. We got two months. Who cares about guards? So we can we can do. We could even we could start with like Newton. And you know what? We There's probably there. need to prioritize safeties. Although apparently it's a bad safety class. I see Fanon asking about that. Apparently it's a bad safety class. Um, but in terms of like if we're looking for like a nickel. I don't know. Maybe we should just do like the best DBs, like the top five DBs or there something. Go. There you go. But like not the are there any like top ten DBs? Not that I'm like you. Doesn't sound like it. And do we need to do quarterbacks? Uh, maybe like a quarterback episode where we just kind of talk. Yeah, about where we just things. we just shoot the shoot off the hip. Yeah. Like, here's a guy who will win your Super Bowl. Okay. Right. right. Yeah, let us know in the comments if you're watching this on the review, and I'll revisit the live chat. But thank you so much for the engagement here as well. Chat, any questions on Schneider's combine thing or the defense? Five minutes. You have five minutes for questions. Okay, so while we're on that, Griff, we kind of spoke about the linebacker stuff, but... You know the, the trickle-up effect of college to, to the NFL? At what yeah. point does it become impossible for it to trickle up so much because of how the hash is and then the downfield blocking rules influence it? So then you're sort of ending up with two different sports, so which I mean on RPOs. The only thing that's really trickling up right now is the run game. Right, but... Why anyway. I say trickling up is the because there isn't because it's only really the run game which is trickling up, yeah, and then the kind of spacing, yeah, then you're getting different player types from college into the NFL who aren't necessarily like a like bang, that's such an obvious fit, yeah, you know, yeah, no, I, I do, um. You you would you do worry about the route trees for the receivers? Mm. Um, I don't know. You worry about the route trees for the receivers because a lot of it's su such dumb offense. Um, I don't know. There will always be good receivers, though. I'm just thinking more defense. Oh, defense, defense just seems so diametrically opposed. I and the, the, the linebackers are just such wild projections now. Linebackers right. and safeties, the middle of the defense. And they're like my two favorite positions, so Yeah. That sucks. Yeah. And then with NIL and all these kids transferring like quite a bit, their football learning and knowledge and how that impacts them and then how you get them good and up to speed at the NFL in time, that's going to be interesting to monitor. Yeah, yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah, you wonder if um, you wonder if, if safeties, or it's not safeties, if seniors will be valued more because they'll have more under their belt. I don't know. Um, I don't know. Maybe. Okay, thank you for the questions. I see, I see them. Cameron, did John Schneider 
even say anything interesting. Well, we spent 30 minutes on it, Cameron, but no, not really. Um, Brandon, did you find it odd that Schneider mentioned the only drafting two QBs in 14 years thing three times and the two extra times were not prompted? Does it put you in the mindset if they want a QB in the draft, Griff? Yeah, I, I think he's going to take one in, in uh, on early day three. I think fourth or fifth round he takes a quarterback. I think he's itching for it, and I think if they're able to re-sign Drew Locke, he probably, <coughs> excuse me, he probably views that as kind of the Sean Mannion now. Like he's a vet, he's come in, he wasn't a complete disaster. He scored a touchdown um somehow like crazy play run, running out of the pocket <coughs> it's made me cough i'm so excited by it but yeah i think he's itching to to draft one and, and he's used kind of lock as the steady eddie if the guy's just just complete garbage or is nowhere near ready to come in as a backup like it gives you the security to develop him um but i didn't find it odd um why didn't i find it odd well he was kind of talking, like, and what, what I mean by that is he he kind of returned to it when to kind of dodge the actual question a bit more, when just to kind of fill air. And he's already spoke about this before. So, you know, it's on his mind, but it's just related to the topic of quarterbacks. And it's just a way of saying, after saying positive things about his quarterbacks, it's a way of also saying, ah, but we could draft one still, even though we haven't. <laughs> We've only done it twice in 14 years. But a fifteenth year, <laughs> yeah, we we might we might still do it. Um, so yeah, uh, uh, yeah, I I didn't find it odd. I th I think it's a totally normal thing to say, especially when you're just talking for talking's sake. Yeah, yeah, and um, he's, he's, he he kind of says that every year. Yeah, too. that's the thing. Like, at what point for me, 15, fourteen times, shame on you, you know? Right. Um, maybe um, the fifteenth year is the year. But, um, well, actually, when did he draft Russell Wilson? 2012. Mm -hmm. Okay. This is the advanced analytics that you come to Seattle Overload for. When did he draft Alex Magoo? Hold on. 18? 2018. So, let's do the maths here. So, two years in. Then, eight years in. No, 2012, 2011, 2012. Three years in. Then eight years in. So that's a gap of five, three to five. So it'll be seven years from 2018, which is... Twenty twenty five, not this year. Next draft. Next draft. There you go. John Schneider will draft a quarterback next draft cycle. Griff, what what do you reckon of that? Hey, Brandon. Next, Brandon, so, careful. So so not this year, but next year. Yeah. Maybe if your prophecy is correct. Um, we need to not, ask Taylor about um, the star yeah. signs, the yeah. lunar cycle. Right. Exactly. What's up with that, Taylor? If you're listening. You know who you are. Yep. Please, um, please advise. 
Um, hey, Brandon, you know what? I ate some haddock uh, at the weekend, so have that. Is, that. is that a type of fish? What? You've never had haddock? Sounds familiar. What's haddock? Oh, it's delicious. So, fish. A, so let's talk fish and chips. Okay. <laughs> fish and chip, part of the podcast. So um, fish and chips in, in Britain, generally you'll get cod, right? But often in a chip shop, what you'll do is you'll go in and you can order haddock, which is slightly more expensive. And often they have to cook it like from fresh because it's more expensive. So they don't just have it sitting there, et cetera, et cetera. Cod's cheaper. Um, you know, cod is an endangered species because it, really? it, it was like borderline, borderline because of how much we ate it. Wow. Yeah. I do. Um, anyway. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. But anyway, haddock is really tasty, uh, much tastier than cod, in my opinion, and, and a superior seafood. Nice. But more expensive. Nice. Speaking of overfishing, I just watched, um, I've been watching uh, Our Planet, David Attenborough's Netflix thing. It's good. Oh, yeah. It's not as good as Planet Earth. Yeah, it's no BBC. No. Right. But it's still very good in Attenborough is Attenborough's like trying to like take you by the ear and like shake you upside the head with like hey right. we need to stop killing the planet because this isn't actually good okay um, but uh but i didn't know that like we're over the the we are overfishing anchovies and how like devastating that is to the ecosystem which is crazy right because i mean who actually you know if you ask the average person in our cultures like how much do you want how much do you like anchovies i imagine they would right. say i don't like them right yeah yeah so what it what be, who is eating all the anchovies i'm sure i'm sure i'm sure they're much more common in other parts of the world right i mean i really how... like anchovies and in spain beautiful like a little little marinated anchovy yeah mm, on like a bit so, of bread bit of something else on there or just in oil with like a nice like cold beer next to it yeah. banging and yeah. cameron pointed out the italian to eat them all <laughs> Yeah, blame the Italians. Blame the Italians. Anti Italian discrimination, but it was cool though how Attenborough was like. So they chilled on anchovy fishing a little bit on the Pacific, um, the Pacific coast of South America, and like just like a decade's worth of like just cutting it down by a percentage, mm. like brought back the um, the the um, the predators that prey on anchovies, like the like the um, like the, the Italian stuff. Like it brought them back, like they bounced what? back like really quickly. Yeah, that's crazy how ecosystems how resilient do that. they are. If you just yeah. give them a chance, like they'll self-correct. Um, it was kind of encouraging because I was watching that, I was like becoming really depressed. It's funny <laughs> how you say uh David's last name. Haddock. No, Dave no, David. That's Brandon. David. Oh, sorry, Brandon. Sorry, Brandon. No, you say David. Oh, oh I said Attenborough. Is it Attenborough? Yeah. Attenborough. Attenborough. Yeah. David oh. Attenborough. <laughs> Attenborough. I love him. He's so um with it for ninety seven. Not to be ageist, but like he's very like super like alert you, and you and... know where he's from? Is he from Middlesex? He is. Yeah. That's quite the county. You guys are really out here. Yeah. 
he was accused of um Uh-oh. Yeah, he was accused of a few things. He was. Yeah. I didn't know that. Just a bit of a Tory, I think. Oh, really? No. No, he he wasn't. But what he was, he was someone called him I mean, just he, let me let me. Should we revisit this? I think so. He said oh. humans are overrunning the planet, which is uh. That's true. Oh, what, what, what was he going about it? Like how we need to um. Was he going down like the depopulation, like the Malthusian route, which has there's some. Um... Hmm. Yeah, I, I he he probably mm. meant something that he took the wrong route. Because if we're talking about consumption, how we need to consume less, I mean, I would I would first point to let's consume less instead of reduce the humans, reduce the consumption. You know, because that's probably what he's getting at. But um, right. Anyway, bit of a bit of a sidetrack. So. Let us know what you want to see. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, save the ice caps, save the polar bears, save the penguins. Save the, <laughs> I love how he says um, orangutans. Like Americans add a G for no reason at the end. Yeah, orangutan. Yeah, it makes way more sense the way you guys say it. We say orangutan. Doesn't make any sense. Orangutan. <laughs> orangutan. Yeah, he does have a good voice. He'll give it. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Good man. Okay. Free Willy. Sukman. Mati say. I don't even know how to say that word because <laughs> I don't know if I'm doing an American or the English. Schedule. 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 Do you say schedule? I say schedule, like SK. Yeah, schedule. Schedule. Corey, anyway. if you pay me. <laughs> Quite transparent here. Okay, please do like the video, tell a friend, uh, follow Griff on Twitter at CMikes Spin Move. Follow me on Twitter at Matty F. Brown. Follow the pod at Seattle Overload. We will try and tweet out a bit earlier than we did today that we're going live. But expect to see us some point in the week around 6 or 7 p.m. Uh, Pacific time. Wednesday, probably, or maybe Thursday with something drafty and tapey. Unless there's some massive Seahawks news, which there may not be. But if there is going to be a move, it will be discussed at the Combine. And that's partly why all these teams are down there. And that's partly why the festivities only begin in terms of the drills and stuff on Thursday. So, thank you, everybody. Make sure you uh, try and spot your name if you've ever donated to us on, on the graphic I produced thanking you. And, yeah, great great to have so many people in the chat, even though we announced we're going live um, quite late. We appreciate you.
Griff, closing wisdom, thoughts? No, nothing. <laughs> no wisdom. <laughs>